welcome to the Plugin for More podcast brought to you by EV Universe. EV Universe is your one-stop shop for all things related to the electric vehicle. Here on this podcast, our goal is to educate, to inspire, and to hopefully make your transition into the electric vehicle marketplace a lot less intimidating. This episode of the podcast is going to be all about electric vehicle charging, kind of a look at what it takes to charge, where to charge, how much it costs to charge, and hopefully reduce that anxiety about range and running out of battery power and being stranded on the road. We hope you enjoy the show. So as far as this week, what's new in your world? I've been uh, recovering. My family's been recovering from COVID. So uh, nothing's too crazy, but uh, just watching out this, watching the snowstorms hit and that, that leads me to some of my interesting insights this week around and we'll talk about it in a minute, but EVs and what happens when you get stranded in a snowstorm in an EV? Does it last longer? Does the battery last longer than a gas-powered vehicle, or what is that? So anyway, that's what's been in my mind. Is I've been just sitting watching the four walls close in, delivering meals to people with COVID in my house. So there's a lot of debate on that, though. People obviously are under the assumption that an EV is you're going to freeze to death and you're going to die because you don't have gasoline, right? So is, is that the general consensus? Yeah. Yep, that's that's the question, right? But have you guys seen any of the actual data that's out there? Because there's a bunch going around, um, you know, people doing different tests on not only EVs in general, but, you know, long range, short range, uh, bigger batteries, small batteries, ones that are, you know, older vehicles as well. You know, I guess the things that I've always realized uh, or, or thought about with a Tesla is when you're using them for a long distance drive, you know, obviously that's that's done in miles, right? But when you're sitting there in a cold snowstorm, you're not moving. And how long is that really going to last? Um, and with all of us being from northern Michigan, we can really see a scenario where you're stuck. Because I think we've all had that scenario. I think when you look at the data, everything that I've seen over the last few weeks um, with these different tests down in you know 10 degree weather, 20 degree weather is you know anywhere from one and a half to two and a half um percent of the battery used per hour if you're using the heat warmers or the hvac system and of course it depends right um, on how full the battery is and that kind of thing but when you kind of look at that it really is showing you can be fine in an electric vehicle if it's 80 percent or so charged for a few days i mean we're talking quite a quite a bit of time which you know when you think about a gas-powered car depends on how big that tank is. Is it a newer vehicle that can, it's more efficient. So, you know, for me, I, I don't, I'd rather be an electric vehicle. I mean, you put on kind of the, the, the camping mode in a lot of Teslas and you kind of just chill out. So you're saying maybe up to maybe two days in an electric vehicle and you're definitely not going to be doing two days in a, in a gas powered car. You know, you can run out of gas in a ice vehicle and be stranded just the same. I may have found myself in that situation last week. Oh, well, oh, I think, do we have a story here? You know, I, I don't want to tell too much of a story to get myself in trouble, but um, I was snowblowing our driveway after a storm we had, and my significant other's vehicle was in the way, so I had to move it, and I let it run because it let the snow melt off of it, and I didn't really notice much of anything. But then after snowblowing, I get back in, I realize, oh, man, the, the gas light's on. That's weird, you know? But uh, figured I better run to the gas station real quick for her so that, uh, you know, she has gas to get to work the next day. And I made it about three miles and the old FJ just stopped running. So, hmm. 
make an emergency phone call and get a can of gas brought and, and, and fix the problem. But I was thinking if I had an electric vehicle, it would at least tell me how many miles I've got to drive. I'd know if I'd make it or I'd just plug it in my own house. I wouldn't have to drive someplace to, to restore that. Exactly. You don't have to go anywhere. You just plug it back in. Or the car turns off for you. That's the better thing. <sighs> so question that I want to know the answer to is, who was this mystery person that had to go bring this gas to you? Was this the significant other that uh, whose vehicle? My significant other is who, who had to come and rescue me Aww. in her vehicle. Yeah. And, and I'll take partial responsibility for it because I did leave it run when it was on empty. But I suspect <laughs> that the gas light was probably already on by the time I got into it. I just didn't notice it in the first place. Mm. <laughs> I mean, in full disclosure. I mean, I, I can't be the in one to, to point too much blame. So something else real quick just to change up the topic. The Hummer EV, which obviously hasn't been released yet, but they're teasing a whole bunch. I know it's a really high-end vehicle, you know, it's like $111,000, but they're talking about in testing how that thing's doing wheelies. Did you guys see that? <laughs> I did. That's crazy because that's a huge vehicle. It's like looking at a bus that's pulling a wheelie is what it looks like to me. 9,000 pounds, and it was putting mm-hmm. out originally 11,500 pound-feet of torque. I'm, pr- I'm predicting this, guys, here. When the Ram TRX came out, there was a YouTuber. And if you don't, if you haven't seen it, go Google it, uh, listener. Go Google this Ram TRX jump. All right, and so it's supposed to be you're supposed to be able to jump Ram TRXs. That's the purpose of it, right? You're supposed to be like a Baja vehicle. And so they've jumped a creek. It definitely screwed up the car, and uh, it's pretty it's pretty awesome to watch. But my point is this: here's my prediction. When the uh, when the new Hummer EV comes out and it's in production and you can buy it. That YouTuber is going to do a wheelie with it. I know for a fact it's going to happen. So that's my prediction. <laughs> we'll hold you to that. We will hold you to that. Is there any anything else like current events you guys wanted to hit on? I did run into a guy with a Polestar 2, which is a direct competitor to the Model 3. So I ended up talking to him for a little bit of time um, regarding, you know, why did he go to the Polestar 2 versus, you know, Model 3 or some of the other competitors out there. And his biggest thing was the fit and finish. And as you have both seen, and I'm sure our listeners have seen that and seen out in the marketplace is Tesla has a knock on them for their fit and finish being terrible. It's like the panel gap, you know, a graveyard, so to speak, is is Tesla. I mean, if you look at a vehicle, you can see their their panel gaps are super tight where they shouldn't be and they're massive canyons other places and so him that was that was a big thing it was just just the fit and finish didn't care about the range didn't care about the performance didn't care about the charging infrastructure any of that it was just the fit and finish and so that's what sold him on it um and that was the first one i'd seen in the wild it was a pretty nice looking car and uh we spent probably 25 30 minutes looking at it and he showed me all the panel gaps which isn't something you normally do in a parking lot of a grocery store but we did, um, and I didn't push him on it because obviously I'm an EV freak, love him to death, but um, he was more than happy to walk me through every bit of that car. Um, so that was a really good experience. Good good to see that car up close finally. What I would like to do now, guys, is jump into our actual topic of what we're here to talk about today, and that's the biggest question that I hear with electric vehicles is, is it has to do with charging, and there's a lot of fear over charging, and how is it going to work? Where is it going to work? Is it going to be expensive? And I think there's a lot of good information out there that can put a lot of this to rest and get rid of some of that other 
propaganda that's getting pushed. Uh, Mike, you're going to be our subject matter expert on it. Knowing what little I already know about charging, and I know you'd have a little bit better of a handle on it, there's three different types of chargers that exist right now. Can you give us a brief explanation of what those are? Sure. Yeah. So you have level one, level two, and level three. And at level one, that's your slowest charging. Level two is medium, which is what you see in most homes. And then level three is what you'll see for a Tesla supercharger or DC fast charging, ones that you'll use only on trips. So I understand the level one charger is the most basic of the chargers that an electric vehicle is going to have. For the most part, a lot of electric vehicle manufacturers are, are putting those chargers with their cars when they're sold. However, there are some now that are phasing it out. But can you just real quick explain what exactly it is a level one charger is going to do for you and what it looks like? And so that's just going to essentially going to be a fancy adapter for plugging your car in. And that would go into a three-prong outlet like everyone has in their homes. You plug it in and you get anywhere from two to four miles of range per hour of that level one charge. That doesn't sound super appealing or sustainable. I guess that would probably take us to the level two charger. What's going to be the benefit of that? Yeah, so a level two charger, the benefit there is you get, and again, this depends on the car and um, your setup at your house, but anywhere from 20 to 40 miles of range per hour. So for your average EV, even the long range ones of today, you plug it in. When you come home from work, you wake up and it's absolutely fully charged. Your, your next step up, the level three charger, um, we know that's to be synonymous with the supercharger that Tesla has. And I know other companies are coming out with the same type of DC charging. Uh, but what exactly is that and why do they exist? Yeah. So the, the reason they exist is essentially for long trips. So if you're going anywhere out of your normal radius around your house where you're going to need to charge, you don't want to wait eight to 10 hours while your car charges overnight. We all know that would be unfeasible. It would be very annoying. That would pretty much kill the industry. So with level three chargers, um, essentially what you end up doing is you plug in at these dedicated, almost like a gas station, but for EVs, and it will charge up to a thousand miles per hour which cuts your charging time, obviously, way, way down. Most people can, can charge from anywhere from a 10 to 80% charge in 20 to 30 minutes. Depends on the vehicle, but it makes a long distance travel very feasible. And frankly, for me, who's someone who's owned an EV for many years and taken many cross-country trips, it's really a no-brainer these days. People make a big deal out of it, like, oh, you got to wait forever. It's really not the case. By the time you plug in, you go in, you go to the bathroom, let's say if it's at a convenience store, you might grab a little bite to eat. A lot of times I had to unplug my car before I was done eating and ready to go. Does it take longer than a normal, you know, filling up your gas tank? Absolutely. But it's getting pretty close. It really isn't that big of an inconvenience any anymore. So... Another thing I hear a lot of people that are skeptical of the electric vehicles talking about is that they think that there's not going to be an abundance of EV charging stations and that it's going to be difficult. They're going to get stranded. What I'm hearing is that if you're doing normal daily driving to and from work, going to the grocery store, you're probably never going to be out of a driving range where you're not going to be using your at-home charger. Correct. Correct. Yeah. For us, when we go on a local trip. When I say local, I mean one to two hours away. I'm still coming back and charging at home. 
I'm not charging on my trip. The only times that we're typically going to go to a supercharger or a DC fast charger is when we're going on a three, four hour trip. And it's almost always overnight. If it's an overnight trip, yeah. But even some of those, we're just plugging into a level one charger, a three prong outlet at, let's say, an Airbnb that we're staying at. And when we wake up, we probably have enough to get to where we need to go. And it's my understanding that as of right now, there's enough of a level three charging network that you can pretty much drive anywhere you want in the country and you're going to be covered. Correct. Yeah. And I think as of a week or so ago, Tesla hit all 50 states. Um, and as far as the DC fast charging and other chargers, I mean, they're, there's pretty darn good coverage. Now, during holiday travel, just like at gas stations, there are going to be times where you might have to wait a little bit. And I've seen that um, just a handful of times. And I've always had the option to go to a different charger that I didn't have to wait. And I've only been in a situation where every charger has been full, I think twice in five years. All right. So is it each manufacturer has their own network or is it Tesla and everyone else? It's essentially Tesla and everyone else. Now you do have some of the other manufacturers like Rivian. They're putting their adventure network out there for some of the state parks and that sort of thing. Um, same thing with Mopar. They're doing their thing with the, uh, um, with the Jeeps. Another thing that's been coming up is adapters for the electric vehicles. And, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds on it, but can you just explain to us what exactly those adapters are going to look like for different charging stations, for different vehicles and so forth? Basically have three at this point. You have the Tesla um, charger, you have the uh, CCS adapter, and then you have the J1772. So you essentially have three at this point. So then another thing that's going to come up that people are going to try to get into is the cost of charging. Um, I know here where I live in Northern Michigan, my electric cooperative charges roughly 12 cents a kilowatt hour for electricity. So if I have a Tesla Model X with its 100 kilowatt hour battery, I just run some simple math and know that if I'm charging from 0% to 100%, I'm talking about $12. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the simple math um, to, I mean, every price, place in the country is going to have different pricing, right? But that's how you figure it out. One other minor component, because I don't want to be held to, that's exactly what that number is, is there's going to be some loss between that plug and the vehicle. And so just like everything else, as you, you know, send electricity through, it's not going to be 100%. And I, if I remember correctly, again, it depends on the vehicle. It's going to be about 90% or 95% um, efficiency on those. Just depends on what your setup is. But it's going to cost a little bit more than that. But that's the general ballpark. Can we just hit on the charging costs for the superchargers being a little bit more expensive? Yeah. So that's the the price for the superchargers that's that's changed over the years um it used to be for some people free lifetime supercharging if you can still find a used vehicle with that on it that's kind of a a golden goose so to speak because you go on a long trip you got lifetime free supercharging you got you know free energy costs to go wherever you need to go um that being said again there's not too many of those out there left that you're going to be able to find um you can still do it but it's not always going to happen um if you're going on a long road trip now, what you're going to see is again, varied pricing based on where you're at, but 
on the last road trip that I took for approximately going from 10% charge to 80% in a long range Model Y, it was around $15 to $16, which really is, um, it's less than what a comparable gas vehicle would be, but it's more expensive than what a supercharger used to be. So you're still better off with electricity, but it's just, it's a little bit closer than what it was in the past. I would say the biggest thing is for people, when you're getting into an EV, you're very nervous about range and are you going to be able to make it to your destination? It's almost dummy proof at this point. Can you run out of charge? Absolutely. But people way overthink it. And end of the day, once you actually own an EV and you go through that process and you learn a little bit on how it works and you get comfortable, it's not bad. It's very, very easy. And everyone I know who's bought an EV and gone through that process, they don't even think about it anymore. And for me, as we're having this discussion, I'm going back into kind of previous discussions and thoughts I've had years ago because it's just something that you deal with now. And it's not even really deal with. It's just, it's like I said, it's almost dummy proof. Mike, so if you're sitting... So if you're at home, you, you plug your car and charge all the time. What if you let your car sit for like at the airport for two weeks? Does the battery lose charge just sitting or what, what happens with the battery that? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So it does, and it also depends on what you have running in the vehicle. Now, there's certain settings, and I won't go into all, all of them, but there's two main ones that, or maybe three, that will drain your battery faster than um, it would otherwise if it's just sitting. Now, one is sentry mode in a Tesla, which is where they use the cameras as sort of that um, security system. So if someone you know runs into your vehicle or walks by, it'll, you know, it'll take a, a video of that or, or picture um, and then save it to a hard drive. That in and of itself will run your battery much, much faster. And then the other one is the cabin overheat protection that will also, so if it's very warm out, it'll turn on your air conditioner. All of a sudden you're, you're going to lose more range that way. So if you're going to be at the airport, typically it's best if, yeah, again, it depends on how long you're going to be gone for any more than a week, try to find a charger, have someone drop you off, um, turn that stuff off as far as the sentry mode and then the cabin overheat protection. Don't check the car on the app a lot because every time you do that that turns on the car and starts you know getting everything running again and that'll start draining your battery too so there's a couple things to again kind of alleviate that but that is something to think about if you're going to be gone for more than a few days and just make sure that you turn all that stuff off so that you're not running the battery well, I appreciate the information guys it's always great to talk with you and um yeah I hope everyone Everyone, maybe the one person listening, at least enjoyed what we had to say. Thank you for joining us for the second episode of the Plug In For More podcast. As always, we are trying to get better and do better and bring more information to you. Please feel free to leave your comments, suggestions, and as always, please be kind. Have a good day.